You're listening to a leadership message from Pastor Jurgen Matesius here at Awaken Church. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. All right, come with me, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, uh, today it's discipleship culture. We're doing the culture code in our church, and this is probably my, my, my go-to blueprint. This is... Uh, you know, kind of me, this is what, when I was just a, a young pup, God said, this is the blueprint for the rest of your life on whether it's youth ministry, full ministry, whatever. This is the blueprint for discipleship. So Luke chapter 5 says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. As the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. And Pastor Samuel was 100% right. You know, every Sunday, unapologetically, we preach the gospel. We preach the good news of Christ's substitutionary atonement on the cross, that Jesus was the absorber. That was the Easter message. He absorbed all my sin, all my transgression. He absorbed the wrath of God, the judgment of God that was against me. The Bible says, if any man is in Christ, He's a new creation, but the Bible says for those who are outside of Christ, the wrath of God still abides on them. But if you're in Christ, the wrath of God has been diverted to you. Jesus on the cross, like a giant sponge, absorbed all the judgment. He absorbed all the wrath of God. He absorbed the curse. The curse that was working against us, broken through Jesus Christ on the cross. It is the answer. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God under salvation. Now, you know, what's the church doing for the homeless? What's the church doing, you know, for the poor? Is the church feeding? Be very, very careful that you don't, you don't allow the devil to guilt you or dupe you into believing that the, 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 the gospel somehow isn't enough. And there are so many churches that have bought into, well, you know, the gospel's not enough. The church really needs to be another social arm. And, uh, and then... As soon as you do that, how do you compare yourself? And this is, this is where the, the enemy wants us. With, with, with a juggernaut of government that, is, that you know, squanders trillions in taxes, that is able to, to, to write checks and print money to spend trillions and billions, 548 million to feed the homeless in LA and yet this, or in San Francisco, and yet there's more homeless than ever before because you know, they put it in their pocket, but they, and then the church is meant to, we, we on breadcrumbs, we with five loaves and two fish, what are they amongst so many, do far more, do far more feeding and impacting and healing. But let me tell you, if the church didn't, if the church did nothing else, but every Sunday opened its doors and preached the gospel, we have more than fulfilled. We have more than fulfilled because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God under salvation. Everybody that hears this word and receives it has everlasting life. When you come under the teaching of this word, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it breaks demonic powers. It destroys strongholds. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. 
And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were the sons of uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Let's just, uh, let me just kind of break this down. The, the, the first thing that I love is that Jesus did not call anybody from a seminary. Jesus didn't go into a synagogue. Jesus didn't go to the, the school of the, the prophets. He didn't go to the scribes. He didn't go to the Pharisees. He, he calls his disciples while they're in their vocation. I just want you to know that the, the, the first thing is that God will call you in your vocation. The, 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 the God that we serve isn't waiting for the people to come down to a religious institution. God will come and meet you in your commercial real estate. God will come and meet you in your probationary officer. God, God will come and meet you in your paycheck, Stacy Capaldi. God will come and meet you as a dental hygienist. God will come and meet you, Pastor Summer, who can do anything and everything from fixing tractor motors to nuclear fusion. I mean, she's just amazing. And, uh, but, but God will come and meet you where you're at. God will come and meet you where you're at. And let, let, me, tell you, let me tell you why. Why, why. why does God come and meet Simon where he's at? It's so important. We don't, have, don't really have time and I didn't give it to the guys. But if you back up a few verses in chapter 4, 38, Jesus has just been in the, in the synagogue and he's just cast a demon out of a, a guy who's got an unclean spirit. And everyone's marveling, saying, oh, my gosh, you know, what authority, what new doctrine is this? That even with authority commands the unclean spirits to leave and they depart. And then the Bible says in verse 38, so he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever and they made a request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she arose and served them. In other words, the Bible is trying to tell you that the same word that works here in church is the same word that works in your home. The same word that works in the house of God, in the synagogue, in the church, is the same word that rebukes fevers at home. It's the same word that releases someone who's unable to serve, releases them into serving, releases them into their gifting, releases them into the noise. The word works not just in church. A lot of people say, oh man, I've got to get to church. I've got to get to church. No, 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 darling, we just got to get the word into your house. This, the, word, the word isn't all powerful in the, the, the church, but the further it gets from here, you know, it starts to dilute every mile. It loses 3% of its battery life and battery power. And by the time it gets to the outskirts, of San Diego County, well, it's, it's you know, pretty much useless. Now, how many people know the same word that works in here is the same word that works in your home? So, so Jesus, Jesus calls Simon Peter, who's a fisherman. And as you follow the story of Simon Peter, you will find that Jesus keeps turning up in a boat with Simon Peter. Simon Peter gets out of a boat and walks on water because of Jesus. Jesus rebukes the wind and the scene says, peace be still and everything is calm while Peter's like freaking out in the boat. Jesus continually turns up in Simon Peter's world of fishing. I say that to say this, that, that, that when Pastor Stacy decided that she wanted to leave paychecks 
and come into the kingdom and serve God into the ministry, what she did at, at Paychecks was uh, she wrote programs. She, she, she was the one who helped them with a lot of their structures. So she is now the, the COO, the chief operations officer of Awaken because she is brilliant at systems. She is brilliant at putting programs and structures in place because the same God that called her, met her, called her in her workplace, but still blesses that thing. You will find that wherever God met you, he will bless that thing whether that's in real estate, whether that's in sales, whether that's in, in the arts, whatever, whatever God has called you, that's how you know it's the Word of God because it works out there and it works in here. It works in here and it works out there. And so the disciples, the disciples are called, and I love that, not one of the disciples was, was unemployed. There's this picture of Jesus. He just hung out with the homeless. And we've got to be really careful because the social justice gospel really struggles. You know, I feel sorry for some of the pastors, and I won't mention their names, but the Babylon Bee did for me, so I don't need to. But uh, talking about a pastor who has a problem with the Old Testament. And the reason he has a problem with an Old Testament is very, very simple because he's, he's in violation of the second commandment. And the second commandment is thou shalt not make an image or an, or an idol that you worship. And so we, we, we've created, we've recreated a Jesus. Ah, that's not actually, doesn't actually fit with neither Testament, but it's, it's, it's the Jesus who loves everybody. He just, he just loves everybody. Doesn't judge. He's not judgy. He just loves everybody. Excuse me, what about when he says, you know, don't, don't go to the Samaritans? Racist. Like, why would he, I thought he loved everybody. Why wouldn't he want to go to the Samaritans? Just stay to the lost. I've only been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Old Testament gods, wipe out the Amal Amalekites. Wipe out the Philistines. Spare not. Slaughter Og, king of Bashan. Wipe them all out. Leave nothing so all of a sudden, because we've recreated this Jesus who loves everybody. He loves everybody. Now, Jesus has love for everybody. But he's also understanding and discerning. Here's the difference between man and God. Here's why judgment alone is left to God. Only God can penetrate the deepest resources of the human heart. When, when Samuel is at the house of David, Eliab, the eldest son, comes in, the firstborn comes in. He's tall. He's a commander in the Israeli army. And Samuel thinks, oh, for sure, this is the guy who's going to replace Saul. Saul is the tall guy and, you know, strength of Benjamin. And he's like, no, 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 do not look at him for I have refused him for I do not see as a man sees. Man looks on the external but I, the Lord, look at the heart and there's corruption and there's deceit and there's envy and there's all kinds of stuff in his heart. But David, God looked right into the very, very core of David's heart. And so the Bible teaches us that there are righteous and there are wicked. And the reason that Sodom and Gomorrah was wiped out wasn't because God was a meanie or got up, you know, and had a bad hair day and decided just to, to destroy a city. 
Now that feels better. Now to do something about my haircut. You know, he... Their, 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 their corruption and their wickedness was so deep. The depravity was so great that their heart raged against God. There was no deliverance of demonic in the Old Testament. Deliverance came with Christ. Show me once in the Old Testament where Elijah cast out a demon. There's no deliverance in the Old Testament. The, Old te the deliverance came with Jesus Christ. Because up until the atoner, up until the Lamb of God came, before that, the, the, the demonic lived in, in physical entities. So I say all of that to say this, that, that the, the, the Jesus that you and I serve, we've got to make sure, you know, he didn't get up you know, each morning and just hang out with the homeless. I've got no real purpose. I just want to, it's not in the scripture. He, he didn't kind of call unemployed people, hey, do you want a job? It's, you know, it's not important, you know. Just the kingdom of God, eternal life. It's not nothing really, you know, just thought, you know, you're sitting around not doing anything. Would you like to, you know, feel free, get back to me. No, not urgent. It's not what he's saying. Every single person he called had to give something up. Every single person had to pay a price. They were washing their nets. They were industrious. They, 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 they toiled all night and caught nothing. If, if, I was, if I was looking for leadership, if you said, hey, we've got a, an area to fulfill, what kind of person? I, I would say someone who, who fished all night, caught nothing, and was still washing their nets. But, 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 but they're, they're disappointed. Man, they, they, they just worked for six months on a contract and it all fell through. But they still turned up at the prayer meeting. They still turned up at the office. They're still worshiping God. Well, hang on. This is, this is their hard day's night. This is like everything went wrong. The wheels fell off and they're still worshiping. They're still turning up to work. They're still grinding. They're still pounding the pavement. That's the kind of person. So Jesus is looking and he sees these guys who have caught nothing that, you know, the entire venture of the evening failed and yet they're washing their nets because they're going to go out again. It's like, man, I like these guys. They're washing their nets. They, 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 they finish the task. These are people that start a project and finish it. These are reliable people. These are punctual people. These are people that don't, get, don't allow discouragement to create despondency. These are apathetic people. These are people who are washing their nets because they're going to launch out again and they're going to believe again and they're going to go again and they may have a second night where they catch nothing, but you'll see them washing their nets because they're going to go out again there's fish in this like we know there's fish in this sea we're going to catch some fish God is looking for industrious people the, the the second thing that I love is it says that he got into one of the boats which was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the land I have found that the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ one of the first tests that you'll find is the test of inconvenience the test of inconvenience serving Jesus never fits with your agenda it never fits with your calendar. He will call you at the most inconvenient time. We're killing it in real estate. We're doing amazing over here. And then the call of God, leave it all and fight. You're like, your timing couldn't be any more lousy. When I finished Bible college, there were two options. And one was convenient. The other one was most inconvenient. And when I looked at the most inconvenient, there was Jesus. I'm like, no, no, Jesus, move over here. This one, this one. Palm Beach Assemblies of God on the Gold Coast. Palm Beach, beach, beach. I'm a surfer, beach. I got saved through Christian surfers. It, the, the office is right, I can see the water from my, it's the Gold Coast. Jesus, 
What are you doing over there? Why would you send me to Manic House? Why would you? It was most inconvenient. Because what we want is we want God to fit in with our timetable. But Lordship is actually I fit in with his timetable. We want God to fit in with our schedule. But when Jesus is Lord, I fit in with his schedule. Can I fit in with his schedule? And so he gets into the boats, puts out a little. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a, a price to pay. I found that all breakthrough came from being put out. It's, it's put out a little to, to fast, to do a fast in January. It's, it's put out a little to, to hear, to minister, to pray, to spend that time. But God is always looking for people who are willing to be put out a little. When was the last time you allowed yourself to be put out a little for the kingdom, to take a moment in the foyer, to take a moment to pray for someone? A thought comes through your head, but you're so busy in, in our own world. thought comes through your head and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen them for, for weeks. And it's the Holy Spirit trying to get your attention. It's the Holy Spirit trying to say, hey, you know, my heart breaks for this person. They're, they're, they're going through a trial at the moment. They're, they're backslidden at the moment. They're, the devil's coming after them. I just need one person. I'm just looking for a man, a woman, anybody who pick up the phone, call, reach out to them, love on them, pray with them, meet with them. It's amazing. Pastor Becky is brilliant at this. She says, yeah, you know, I, I had this thought about something. I thought, yeah, I haven't seen them. So she picks up the phone. I'm going to come and meet you, meets with them. And then there's a story and a God story behind it. And oh my gosh, when you called, it was, we see that again and again and again. The greatest people in the kingdom are people who are willing to be put out a little. Can somebody say Amen. All right, so now watch this. This is, this is my favorite part. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. When he had stopped speaking, he says to Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. Let down your nets for a catch. He didn't say, it doesn't say, and when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Simon, you fished all night and caught nothing, huh? And Simon's like, yeah, nothing, good because I want you to be poor, because when you're poor, you're dependent upon me. I hate that prosperity gospel. Can't stand it. He says, no, no, I want you to launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. Simon, watch what he does. He says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at John Piper's word, excuse me, never... Nevertheless, at Andy Stanley's, no, excuse me, nevertheless at Pastor Jurgen's, no, it just says, nevertheless at thy word. Nevertheless at thy word, I will let down the net. And what happened when they let down the net? They caught so many fish, the net was beginning to break. How do you know you're in a house where his word, because there are many words, because the words come through men. It, 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 how, how do you know this isn't just Jurgen's gospel? How do you know this isn't Andy's? There are many words. But Simon says, nevertheless, at thy word. My goal is that we preach his word. You'll know his word because his word takes a discouraged man. Master, we've to toiled all night. We're wore out. We didn't sleep all night. We didn't sleep a wink. We caught nothing. We're exhausted from an empty endeavor. We're exhausted from failure. We're exhausted from the exertion of our energy with no fruit, with nothing productive to account for the expenditure of our time. We've just finished washing the nets. They are now finally got the salt water out of the strands. 
with clean water and you're saying throw them back in. If we throw them back in and catch nothing, then we've got to wash them all over again. How do I tell my friends are going to beat the snot out of me? You know, but he says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down. You know that, that the word of God is being preached, Connor. You know that it's Jesus's word when it inspires people to overcome when it inspires people to bounce back, when it puts resilience, when, when it inspires people to launch out into the deep. Pastor, pastor, I went to the Pathfinder, we just started a business and we got these, con launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a cat. You know what, pastor, we were thinking we might have to, to move to Idaho to, to buy a house, but you know what, we're launching out into the deep. We just put an offer down on a house right here in San Diego. We believe that the same God who can bless us in Idaho is the same God who can bless us in San Diego, that his arm isn't shortened, that it cannot. You'll always know when you're sitting under the words of Jesus Christ because it causes you to launch out in of the deep. It causes you to take risks. It causes you to bounce back. It causes you to overcome discouragement and despondency. It causes you to be successful. The Bible says they caught so many fish, they had to signal to their partners in the other boats and they filled both the boats with one net. Now, Jesus said nets. He didn't have nets faith. He only had net faith. With one net breaking, they filled two boats. So the boats began to sink and Simon falls down and says, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. The Bible says, and they left everything. They left it all behind. And I loved in our hero production, I saw Peter and Andrew, and they got, this is their biggest on all my fishing expertise, and all my fishing expertise, all my fishing expertise, all my fishing expertise, all my fishing expertise just got jacked up. I can easily leave the fish because there's more fish in him. I can easily leave that because... What I just experienced was supernatural. There was a redirecting. There's somebody who commands the ocean. There's somebody. He was able to leave that. Do you know every single, every single person that we've hired on staff, one of the prerequisites that we, we, we made was they had to take a pay, pay cut. Pastor Alicia was project manager and general manager and business manager in a secular company, construction company building homes had to take a pay cut, almost a third, to come on to staff. Pastor Stacy, the same thing. Pastor John, the same thing. In fact, I feel so embarrassed, but I know that John's a man of God because to get John on staff, we, we took him out of commercial real estate where he was making six figures generously, and then we put him on $35,000 a year as our events person. And John, at the end of the interview, was so gracious and says, you know, and we said, hey, you know, do you have any, any more questions? I know the salary's a little bit low, we're just... You know, and he's like, yeah, I just got one question. Um, isn't the events role a woman's job? <laughs> and we're like, kind of, yes, yes. But don't turn up in a miniskirt. We, we're quite liberal here. We can, but he starts in events. He goes from literally earning this much to taking a tenth of what, what he's earning, but he just knew that there was a price. They left everything. They left everything. They left everything. They left everything. This is common denominator. We had somebody that wanted to come over from Australia. Hey, want to come and be part of your team and, you know, looking at the church and everything you're doing. And, and uh, you know, I've been looking at cars and, you know, here's the kind of car I want to 
want to buy one and get over there. I'm like, man, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And we were kind of thinking of salaries, you know, like looking at where we live and what we can. And my salary would be this starting. I said, oh, no, no, there's no salary. What? Well, you guys are killing it. Yeah, but the entry level, the buy-in, I can't put you on a fat salary, but everybody else had to leave their miraculous catch, had to leave their prosperity, had to leave the blessing of God, had to leave their success, take a massive pay cut to come and serve. But then I changed the rules for you because it's going gonna, it's gonna to infect the equilibrium of the culture. You, you'll, you'll always be entitled. Nothing will ever be enough. You'll have eyes of envy of what they're getting and how come I didn't get more. How come they got an upgraded phone? I want an upgraded phone. That's not, we're just, we're trying to build a kingdom. We're trying to build a kingdom. And if you don't come in with a heart of leaving it all behind, Here's what I found. Everything that I've left behind, Jesus, Mark 10, 28, he says, I'll tell you the truth. There is no one, there is no one who has left houses, lands, businesses, brothers, sisters, mothers, family, friends, for my sake and the gospel's sake, who will not fail to receive 100 times as much in this life with persecution and in the life to come, everlasting life. Let me just tell you, whatever you walk away from, whatever you walk away from, that harvest just became seed. That, may, that was their greatest harvest, their greatest catch. It became seed. It became seed. You imagine your biggest haul all going back out into the field. My God, you just 100x your life. The biggest harvest of wheat, the biggest harvest of grain, the biggest harvest of the pasture, the biggest harvest of the kingdom moves forward with people who are willing to go deep. You'll always know the word of God when it is preached because it overcomes adversity. It overcomes despondency. It overcomes discouragement. It puts faith in people to launch out of the deep. Wednesday night, <coughs> no, excuse me, Sunday, Sunday right here in this house, Pastor John, like, man, I loved Sunday in church because it was just so awesome to pray for the people. And there were so many healings and so many miracles. Those healings and miracles happen because at the word of God, people launch out into the deep. I'm going to launch out into the deep. I'm going to launch out into the unknown. I'm going to launch out into the uncharted. I'm going to go fishing out there for words of knowledge. Holy Spirit, what do you see? There's somebody here with a bad knee. There's somebody here suffering with this. There's somebody here with a terminal diagnosis. Who is that? You're launching out into the deep. It never changes. For the disciples to move in the miraculous, they had to learn how to launch out into the deep, how to launch out into the black, how to launch out into the unknown, how to launch out where I don't see any fish, but I know as I launch out with, under the Word of God. The Word of God will bring things to me. It will fill my nets with a miraculous catch. So all these people got healed. All these people got delivered on Sunday. Why? Because Pastor John decides he's going to launch out into the deep, let down the nets for a catch. You know, when, when Dr. Matt said to me, I want to start a, a prayer meeting at 5.30 a.m., if I was honest with you, I love prayer. We began the church with a prayer meeting. We used to have Wednesday night prayer meetings. The, the, the great problem with prayer meetings is they get hijacked. 
They get hijacked by super spiritual people who want to pray, and then they don't pray. And they preach, and they preach their latest revelation. And then you as a leader now have to take off your I love everybody pastor hat to now have a difficult conversation. And then people who are brand new see you having a difficult conversation and think you're a mean pastor. What kind of a jerk pastor? I'm going to that church. That pastor's a jerk. And uh, why didn't you just let that person talk? And and uh, and so it would. And so I just, you know, I just thought, well, you know, I'm going to just have a personal prayer life and encourage everybody else to have a personal prayer life. Knock yourself out. But Dr. Matt, no, he's going to do this 5.30 a.m. prayer meeting. So I'm thinking, good, because, you know, 5.30 a.m., you're not going to get a whole lot of people turning up. And uh, But then, you know, his house is full and he's getting getting in trouble from the homeowners association because there's, you know, way too many cars for, the you know, people parking on other people's lawns. And, and then there's noise at, you know, 5.30 in the morning and someone with a guitar. And, and so he's getting in trouble. And so, well, then it gets too big. And so then we give him the keys to the church. And he comes and then it starts filling out here. And I'm, and I'm like, this, it, wow, I've never seen one go for longer than six months. It's been going six months and, and it's still, it's, and there's momentum. And so I turn up and I find, hey, 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 guys, one minute. You got one minute. Guys, just, you know, bullet points, God story. And then people praying all this, woe is me, woe is me. Stop, stop. We don't do that here. We don't do the woe is me. We do the, you know, in faith. We're keeping faith because, and I'm like, my God, like he's, 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 figured it out he's navigated on how to he he launches out into the to to this day like i was at the uh, balboa prayer meeting on tuesday and mike butcher says the truth is this is this is emerge this is the emerge men's conference this is someone said to pastor john hey how can we have emerge every week because of the prayer meeting and that's literally what it is but we had to launch out into the deep and as we launched down in the deep, what we began to catch is men who were struggling with their masculinity, lost in a sea of what toxicity towards the, the future is female. The future is matriarchal. The future is the emasculation of man's strength. Let me tell you, if you study history, every single nation that went matriarchal was wiped off the mat, was wiped off the map. Every single nation that had strong men always came in and wiped out matriarchal societies. We need strength in our men. The devil knows if there are strong men, the house is secure. But when one stronger than he comes, he must first bind the strong man. Then he is able to plunder his goods. The devil knows the Bible better than most Christians. So the devil knows it. the only way that he can destroy your house and destroy our communities and destroy San Diego and destroy California and destroy America, he's got to get rid of strength in men. That's why you see in the culture, that's why I love being counterculture. In fact, if you ever wake up and say, man, I don't know what to preach, turn on CNN, crap news network, turn it on and just preach the exact opposite, whatever they're piping off. Whatever they're piping off, just preach the exact opposite and you'll find it'll line up in the kingdom. They are the antithesis of the kingdom. Anyway, I've got to, I've got to finish. I've got to finish. All right, got to finish. So I, I love Peter. He says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When, when we, we want to build a culture where we're getting people to line up your will with his word. His word doesn't line up with our will. Our will needs to line up with his word. Nevertheless, at thy, will, I, I, at thy word, I will let down the net. 
Our job on a Sunday is to put the Word of God in people. You are most potent as a disciple when God's Word is in you and your will is lined up. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, says Jesus. One of my favorite stories was the company Nestle. Nestle uh, had great coffee sales all over the world except, except in Asia because the Asian culture for thousands of years did not drink coffee but drank tea. They did not. And so... Uh, in the in the early 1980s, they they sent a sales exec to to China to try to break into the Chinese market. He was there for almost eight years, and when he came back, he said, "It is impossible because you're dealing with thousands and thousands of years of tradition. Just give up on China. Just you know, uh, India. We've got some breakthrough there, but China, forget about it." So they f- fired that guy, and they sent another guy. And this other guy in 1988 did this. He said, let's create coffee-flavored ice cream and coffee-flavored desserts and coffee-flavored confectionery because the older generation have been taught generationally, but there's a new generation rising that if we can satiate their palates with the taste of coffee, then when they get older, coffee. Within 10 years, from 1988 to 1998, China became one of the biggest purchasers for Nestle in their contracts for coffee, making billions a year in coffee, all because one man recognized that if we want to change the future, we've got to go after the children. Why do you think they're teaching all this 1619 project? Why do you think white fragility, mandatory? Why do you think they're, they're teaching all this sexual perversion, the normalization of immorality, the, 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 the dissolution of male and female? Because the devil knows that if I want to affect the future, I've got to go after the children. That's why at, at, at this church, we have a priority on kids' church. We have a priority on kids. I love that our kids' church learn to pray. I love that they learn to prophesy. I love that they get filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues in there. Because I'm telling you, if we want to affect the future, we got to have a kids' ministry. You know, the saddest thing is, the saddest thing is, I would talk to Christians. I would talk to Christians all the time, and they would say, "Yeah, you know, China's closed to the gospel. It's hard. It's hard. Russia, Russia's the same. You know, it's closed to." You know, it's hard. It's hard. You know, as though God says, hey, listen, uh, please, you know, as you're preaching the gospel, you know, take it all over the world. But if it's hard, just, you know, just just feel free to just tap out. I don't want you to do anything hard. What? Me? Yeah, well, you know, I know I died on a cross, but, you know, I don't want you to have to go. I don't want you to break a sweat. In fact, don't. No one is to break a sweat, do anything difficult. And if they persecute you, just, you know, just apologize. Just apologize and just back. That's not what he said. He said, you'll be hated by all nations for my namesake. They're going to persecute you. They're going to drag you before governors and before magistrates. And some of you are going to be executed and stoned to death. And they're going to crucify me. They'll probably do the same to you. And he says, but go into all the, go into all the, how come Nestle can find a way into China and the, the gospel can't? We, we can't figure out the gospel to get into the Middle East. We can't figure out the gospel to get into, I made a decision that I am not going to create a, a, a discipleship culture where we do it as long as it's easy. We do it as long as it's convenient. We do it. No, no, no. We, we, 
Tell, tell me it's difficult to get into San Diego State University. Tell me, oh, you can't get into the schools. You can't get the gospel into the colleges. You can't. Now, our job is to, if Nestle can figure a way. Do you know the saddest thing? The saddest thing is, is that you can travel around the world, go to the most remote locations and find Coca-Cola, but there's not a church. Coca-Cola has been more effective in evangelizing the world to buy a soft drink that's not even good for you than the church has with the gospel. And we're the ones commissioned. We're the ones empowered. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost. We've got the power. They don't have the, the anointing. They don't have the Spirit of God. They don't have shabbat you know, to, to get Coca-Cola in. The, but they've got Coca-Cola all over the world. They've got coffee all over the world. But there are places that, that the gospel, because oh, it's hard. Oh, it's difficult. That nation's Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Father, I thank you for disciples. I thank you for, for a discipleship culture. We launch out into the deep. We launch out into the deep. How do you know if you're sitting under Jesus' word? Despondency, discouragement, you launch out into the deep. Many of you, you might be fearful to let go of something. God said to Abram, the Bible says in Genesis 22, and the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord tested Abram. And he said, Abram, Abram. And Abram said, here I am. He says, take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and offer him as a burnt offering on the mountains of Moriah in a place that I will show you. The Bible says early the next day, the next, Abraham saddled his donkeys, saddled his donkeys, got his servant, pulled Isaac out of bed, Isaac out of bed, and rode to the place of which the Lord showed him. Abraham put Isaac on an altar because the Bible, that God was able to raise figuratively, it was from the dead, the dead that he received him anyway. He, he knew his body was dead. Sarah's womb was, was, un, was, was unproductive. He's already got him from the dead once, got him from the dead once. And if God is asking for him, it's not that God has changed his mind or God has made a mistake or that God is nasty and capricious. The God that he's been walking with for 100 years, 112, that's, that's not this God. He knows that this God has something bigger. But God was trying to get another level of blessing to flow through. See, Abraham was blessed. God was trying to now bring that blessing through to Isaac. Could Isaac be put on the altar? Anything that you leave behind, anything that God gives, asks you to give, anything he asks you to sow, anything he asks you to walk away from, anything he asks you to give up, anything that he asks you, you better believe that God is not broke and God did not mismanage his budget and so wants to borrow a few coins from you, your coins from you. You believe anything that God is asking you to sow, anything he's already preparing, it's going to unlock another harvest. It's going to unlock another blessing because it was at that place where God says, because you have done this, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the sea, as a sand, uh, sand on the seashore, stars in the sky, and your descendants will possess the gates of their own. You just unlocked a favor through your obedience so that a Joshua can march around Jericho and all he's got to do is shout. He doesn't even need to strike the wall. He just needs to shout because of what you did today because you possess the gates. Your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. No weapon shall be able to stand against you. No army shall be able to defeat you. Father, we thank you right now for a discipleship culture. I thank you, Father God, that, that 
that you're calling people where they are. And I want you to know God will bless you. The Word of God that works in the house of God is the Word of God that works in your home. It works in your car. It works in your finance. It works in your business. The, the, the same faith that, that, that Leanne and I have for buying property and buying church building is the same faith that we use at home to, to, to get our home, to you know, upgrade our home. Like I'd love to tell you, I bought Leanne's dream home like five homes ago. And then that little rascal kept dreaming. And I'm like, ah, finally comfortable. And she's like, yeah, in our next time. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This was your dream home. She goes, yeah, but I kept dreaming. Well, stop dreaming. And God's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm rebuking this woman. You've given me materialistic. And he's like, no, I need her to keep dreaming. And I'm like, but God, God resources. He's like, I own the cattle on a thousand hills as well as a thousand hills. He says, I need you to keep expanding. I need you to keep believing for bigger. I need you to keep believing. The God that you serve hasn't run out. He hasn't run out. All things are possible to him who believes. Your greatest battle is believing. Oh, the markets. Oh, you know, the Dow Jones says, the NASDAQ is. Well, you know, they're saying there's a real estate boom. Your, your greatest battle is pushing all of that aside and believing what does the word say? What does the word say? Like the song Beautiful Providence wrote, I want to hear your voice, not mine. All the noise of the world, cancel it out because I want to hear from heaven. I want to hear from heaven. Such a magnificent song. Father, today let people hear from you. Nevertheless, at thy word I will. Father, let us bend our will towards your word. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.